0: So. I know, I've,
1: I've actually been really nervous about this one because... See,
0: that's, that's why you didn't invite me on. that's why I never asked.
1: <laughs> I know, but you know a lot, and just because you and I can't be professional is not a good reason to not share your information. Welcome to the Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly hudson DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Perfect. All right. Now that we have context, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and with us today, we have a longtime friend of mine, (laughs) who is already having a hard time keeping it together, um, Dr. Michael Lovitch. Um, Dr. Lovitch and I, I'll just call him Lovitch from here on out, went to school together um, and got our chiropractic degrees uh, at the same time. But he went on to be certified as both a chiropractic functional neurologist and a chiropractic sports physician. He has served as a medical director and on medical staff in professional, amateur, collegiate, and high school athletics. His team addresses the brain and metabolic systems that cause larger problems. He has offices across the United States in Denver, Boulder, Providence, Boston, and now in New Hampshire. So thank you for joining us. We're definitely going to talk a lot about metabolic brain injury and inflammation, Mm -hmm. and I think we're going to start with our getting to know you question first, which is when was movement first fun for you? Movement? Movement.
0: So movement was fun for me once I, when I started, so when I went into chiropractic school, I went in, I wasn't really much of an athlete before mm-hmm. this, like I can slide downhill on skis decently well enough and sort of run, but I remember a friend once telling me that I should run track instead of trying to play basketball because I can't stop di- stop and change direction at all. Just <laughs> so uh, one
1: movement forward. <laughs> yeah,
0: and yeah. so that, that equi- that's equivalent and translates to... Every other aspect of my movement. So once I went to chiropractic school, I started learning about it as a person who I can't just figure it out. Just big picture, I need to know the details to know how they work to then build something out of it. And then I can like, okay, now we've got something to work with. Mm-hmm. So that's when movement became fun. Once I can start like seeing the like the in my head like sort of in 3D, how all these little pieces move together as a big thing. And I can say, well, there's something that's not working right, or mm-hmm. this is something that we can make work better.
1: And this logistical aspect to solving any problem is pretty much how you and I work together and both love it, is that, like, yeah, big picture is great, but if I can find one thing to tweak,
0: mm-hmm. even or, better. Or to complain about.
1: Well, that's just the way of life. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we, you, I mean, um, Dr. Van Winkle is a a colleague of both of ours here in Colorado, and we had him on the podcast um, quite a few months ago, almost a year ago, talking about functional neurology um, as a specialty, as a postdoctorate diplomate for chiropractors in and of itself. And you have that same diplomate, but you take a slightly different specialty within it, talking about metabolic injury. And so that's mostly what we're going to talk about. So... That's not a term a lot of people, I think, have heard before. Can we start with what is a metabolic injury and a metabolic concussion as it affects our brain? So
0: first and foremost, Dr. Van Winkle's is a fantastic mm-hmm. uh, physician down in Ken Carlin, Colorado. He uh, he and I talk often, mm-hmm. going over cases because one, it's fun to <laughs> figure it out and try to try to co-manage cases in that way to say okay what are we missing what's new what else we could think about what can we get the per what can we do to get the person better faster now
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's sort of the underlying theme between behind functional neurology is how do we get to the cause of the issue where in reality there is no such thing as a root cause
2: mm-hmm. there
0: is root causes and it's all an axis it's
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's not a brain gut gut brain axis by itself it's Everything all at once, line up all those moving parts together and say, well, we're going to do a therapy that tests something and treats it at the same time based on how it works. We can then adjust our treatment to be more and more precise for the patient. Mm -hmm. So the fun part about this is you can use this logistical approach for essentially anything that the brain controls, anything that the brain is involved with, which... Last time I checked is basically everything.
1: I was going to say, just for clarity's sake, everything. Yeah. Everything.
0: <laughs> so the so I know that Dr. Fulminkel already talked about yeah. traumatic brain injury, so I want to expand a little more on the the long-term ramifications of that. Or another way to look at it is the metabolic aspect of brain injury.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you hear concussion, everybody always thinks of the CDC uh, video. Like if you go to CDC Heads Up, and if you're a practitioner watching this, bare minimum, you should have a certification CDC Heads Up if you want to say you know anything about concussions. Mm -hmm. If you're you're a lay person or just general public, please go to CDC Heads Up. They have information for the public there Mm -hmm. as well. And they show you this cool video with the head bouncing back and forth, and they always have the CGI brain inside there sloshing back and forth, and where the brain hits the skull and the cranium, that's where the injury is.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if we say, well, okay, well, that's step one, what's step two, what happens? Then you have tensile stretches where it just stretch it, sorry, tensile stresses mm-hmm. where you have stretching of the brain, or shear stresses where you have twisting of the brain. Now. Uh, I usually use a piece of paper towel to show this and curl it up into something that looks like a brain, but I heard on a podcast recently, uh, an excellent uh, analogy, which is, you take, a, take one of those big pieces of broccoli from the supermarket and you'll whip mm-hmm. it around. Where's the damage gonna happen? Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen on the stalk.
1: Where you're holding it. Where you're
0: holding it. And it's gonna also happen deeper inside because the outside really doesn't move that much. And mm-hmm. if you're watching this as a video, If things are moving close together, you're going to get twisting and stretching. But on the outside, that's just going to look like just general rotation. Mm -hmm. Not really going to have that much damage out there.
1: It's almost even like, you know, watching a a tree in the breeze, all the outside branches and leaves, they're just kind of moving around, but the noise is really coming from the internal branches as all those leaves hit together too.
0: Yeah. That's where the creaking comes from. that's Mm -hmm. the part that you're like, where's the snap?
1: Yes. And and the where's the snap is, I think is a really great way to look at That's what you're looking for in injury. Where was the snap before the tree crashes your house?
0: And the way it works with the brain as well, you're not afraid of the little leaves falling off. You're afraid of the branch falling down on you. Mm -hmm. And if if you're and that's the same thing that we're looking for in brain injury is where is the enough damage going to happen to create symptoms mm-hmm. so i'd like to touch on symptoms right now okay so when we think of symptoms we especially with concussion we think a lot of vague symptoms vague neurological symptoms like uh don't feel right chronic fatigue headache dizziness vertigo migraine and uh, aura associated with that and depending mm-hmm. on which part of the brain is activated or overactivated sometimes, that can tell you what the symptom is. Mm-hmm. So, the fun part about what we do in functional neurology is we're not saying that if you have condition X, you're going to have symptoms A, B, and C. For example, if you have a concussion, you're going to have nausea. We're saying when you have a concussion and the brain is not able to compensate appropriately for that, then you get the symptom.
2: Mm-hmm. But what
0: we're looking for isn't, okay, how do we fix the big picture well enough so that way the symptom goes away. The first thing that we want to say is where in the brain does that symptom be, become caused? A mm-hmm. uh, easy one. And I'm going to throw out some technical terms there. That's all Googleable. <laughs> so we'll see
1: if we can define in here as well. <laughs> sure,
0: Maybe throw in the notes with a little hyperlink. <laughs> uh, you can have, if you have nausea,
1: mm-hmm.
0: nausea is typically associated with overfiring of a part of the lower brainstem called the nucleus tractus solitarius, the NTS for short. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the brain that receives information from a lot of different areas
2: mm-hmm.
0: and sends information to a lot of different areas. But if this part is over firing and you have nausea because of it, then the you would imagine that if you're looking for treatment for your nausea, you wanna go to somebody who's gonna be able to figure out what's causing this to overfire instead of, let's try throwing supplement A, mm-hmm. or treatment B, or- A nausea
1: suppressant, or-
0: Or anything. Yeah. So instead of trying to say, how do we tamper this down with a broad spectrum approach, how mm-hmm. do we get into the details, into the weeds, and say, let's take care of this directly? How do we test, how do we measure,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: how do we move forward?
1: And just for the sake of where that nucleus is and why this would happen in a brain injury, that is located, we'd say, essentially in the broccoli stem. Mm -hmm. That's the part that you're waving around and finding the damage deep inside. Mm
0: -hmm. And you can measure, and Mm -hmm. regarding this stuff, this is where it gets fun. You can measure the brain in different ways. You can measure the brain at the area of that broccoli stem, Mm -hmm. which is what your neurologist or functional neurologist would do through a bedside neurological examination. You can measure areas that fire into it. So you're not going to get information about the brainstem, but you can get areas that fire into the brainstem if you're doing like a QEEG mapping, something Mm -hmm. like that. It's not going to give you direct information, but it'll give you indirect information that hopefully is associated. You don't know until you try.
1: And because when it comes to talking about the brain and all the the nuclei and the different areas, everything is wired interconnectedly. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not going to be a single part of the brain that's going to be I do this one thing and I talk to nobody else. So there are different ways <laughs> into <laughs> there are different ways into it because of the relationship of these areas, of these nuclei, of these directions, mm-hmm. where we can see, well, this is broken because the step before it is broken.
0: And that brings mm-hmm. us to a first key concept mm-hmm. which is and I wish you had like some Bill Nye graphic right here. Ah, oh, that'd be so awesome. Uh, which is the brains don't heal They compensate Mm -hmm. for example, if you think of, when you think of things that are healing, think of uh, a muscle injury, like a strain, it gets pulled. And then you have creation of new tissue in that area that has the same exact function Mm -hmm. or an even easier thing to think about. If you get a cut on your hand, so your skin, your skin totally heals. Mm -hmm. Every cell has the same exact function. It's going to recycle. It's going to fill in and you're going to get a scab. And a couple days, week later, that scab falls off and you're like, oh, good as new.
1: Yeah. No one would know the difference. You
0: may get a little scar. We're not going to get into that on this podcast. (laughs) But healing happens in the body, Mm -hmm. but healing is returned to 100%. When it comes to the brain, every single neuron is an individual. Every single neuron that fires into the next neuron and creates a circuit is an individual circuit which means that if you damage that circuit or if you damage an individual neuron in that circuit, the function of that neuron is lost. Other neurons have to come in to mimic the same action, which may not be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It may be, you know, all of a sudden, uh, I've been moving a certain way for a long time as a compensation and now you need to go back and repattern the way you move your body Mm -hmm. because your brain no longer has the necessary computer program to say, yeah, you can just do what you did before you're missing uh, the software needs an upgrade
1: and in another way i kind of think of it like you know there's still a job that needs to get done within that that circuit but it's like you know if, if they're all an individual it's you know firing an employee getting someone to replace them but they have a different personality they have a different priority a different speed mm-hmm. and so it's going to ultimately change the way that system works
0: and that different personality and speed mm-hmm is gonna fire differently Mm -hmm. to those areas that we talked about, which may create a symptom. Mm -hmm. So sometimes your brain's healing response created a symptom. And so this is what we're getting into, is the the complex interplay between all the different parts of the brain at the circuit level, at the cellular level, and at the metabolic level within that. And Mm -hmm. this is when you're talking about concussion from a metabolic standpoint. So I call these metabolic concussions, and you can look these up in the literature. Mm-hmm. The idea is, if you have a traumatic brain injury, and we're, we're gonna just go with, just to keep things simple, mild traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. no contusion, no brain bleed, no-
1: So uh, you're not bleeding out, you're not getting giant bruises on your brain and swelling, and they have to cut a hole in your skull, like, yeah, we'll just nothing let that, it be. Nothing you that's
0: ha- gonna potentially cause loss of life.
1: Yeah, um, mild car accident, Bad football, squabble, or what have you. Whiplash. Whiplash.
0: I mean, whip, mm-hmm. even just stopping short with no trauma to the head mm-hmm. uh, from 10 miles an hour is enough, if you're not ready for it, let's put it that way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is enough forces to cause a concussion in the brain
1: mm-hmm. without
0: direct trauma to the head, without anything other than a little bit of headbanging. Because it's mean,
1: still sloshing around inside your skull. Yeah. Okay, so mild concussion, no bleeds, nothing that's going to risk your life.
0: Right, so Mm -hmm. that, uh, so the the initial trauma from a traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. sets in motion these inflammatory responses and these cellular activity. There is a great paper from a while ago now called The Metabolic Cascade of Concussion or The Neurometabolic Cascade of Concussion by Christopher Giza. Uh, He's a pediatric neurologist out in UCLA. Mm -hmm. Fantastic paper. He's got some pictures in there to really delineate how it happens. Some Bill
1: Nye stuff happening?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I saw him speak once and I kind of had some Bill Nye vibes there. It was great. Awesome. Uh, So when you create this metabolic cascade of concussion from a traumatic brain injury, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of inflammation that has to be dealt with. Now, if you don't have, you don't need that in the initial insult. Mm -hmm. You can have that same cascade happen from a number, from a number of things, creating metabolic concussion that still needs to be addressed the same way as other concussions.
1: So how would you define, define metabolic in this place?
0: So I define metabolic as the same effects that happen with the, uh, with the traumatic brain injury, the Mm -hmm. diffuse axonal injury but instead of the diffuse axonal injury, which means that instead of the individual cells, like sporadic cells throughout the brain Mm -hmm. getting a little injured.
1: The the broccoli damage. The broccoli
0: damage, (laughs) right. Instead of those uh, cells getting a little injured from a trauma, Mm -hmm. they're getting a little injured from a chronic inflammatory state.
1: Gotcha. And what would be some examples of that?
0: So nice and easy would be uh, certain infections. Mm -hmm. So Lyme disease has been shown to do this. So you get neurologic uh, repercussions of Lyme Mm -hmm. for Mm long-term. Another one is also COVID. There Mm -hmm. are studies showing that long-term effects of COVID are very much possible. Long haulers is what they're calling it now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, from working in a space where I've worked with patients with chronic Lyme disease, and I'm not saying that they have the same Lyme disease that just lasts forever. I'm saying that they had the Lyme disease. It has done its course you've done some antibiotics you've reduced it but i mean it's still a living organism it's reproducing or it's anchored into your actual tissues Mm -hmm. so it comes back in waves like you you kill it then it comes back and then you kill it and then it comes back Mm because it's difficult to work with so you're talking about these chronic wave of lyme disease yeah uh and if you're measuring only by symptoms or subjective presentation from the patient then it's hard to it's hard to measure that.
1: Well in that chronic wave of Lyme disease, you know, there'll be be symptoms when it is active and pervasive, but all of those symptoms create an inflammatory load, create a load on the body that it has to struggle through. And in some cases, as your body is taking care of all the fires that it needs to put out with these diseases um, and talking about the ones that you brought up, including COVID. And, you know, we use my health history a lot on the, the podcast as an example. So when I talk about my brain injury and concussion, this is exactly how I got it with the H flu meningitis, because the body is working so hard to put out this giant fire that might kill you that everything else gets left behind in disarray to fend for itself, and a lot of things break in the meantime. And And
0: this is where brains don't heal, they compensate.
1: Mm -hmm. And compensate well is the motto of my childhood.
0: Right. And Mm -hmm. that's the whole point is Mm -hmm. as a a practitioner looking at this, we want to create appropriate compensations. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get into that, I'd like to also say that Dietary and lifestyle factors over a long period of time can also create the chronic inflammation or chronic inflammatory processes. Uh, Imagine if you had, okay, um, not to instill too much fear in parents, but imagine if, like, a kid gets a little knock on the head or or has a brain injury as a kid, Mm -hmm. and now their development can change. Mm -hmm. Uh, Imagine, like, little kids playing tackle football or... Uh, heading or playing soccer and heading the ball when they're still developing, mm-hmm. there's a reason why those rules are coming into place because science, the scientific community has made it clear that that can create long-term effects, not just their ability to be productive in the world, but also their ability to have a good quality of life mm-hmm. because they, were, they need to play in that one game or they need to head the ball w- when they're way too young.
1: Right. And they're saying now that, you know, football and professional football has so, and hockey as well, is getting so much heat for um, concussion and concussion protocol. But really, the highest rate of concussion is in girls' soccer mm-hmm. from heading that ball. And to your point, it is just that little bit of repeat stress that's going to add up over time. And I'm glad you're bringing up the lifestyle piece of it because, again, it's not so much like we don't need to terrify parents. We have enough that we're trying to do to keep our kids alive right now. But it's knowing, you know, I'm working on keeping mine alive, too, is that it's knowing that if we can make the best lifestyle choices to reduce stressors, so that would be things like, you know, repeatedly hitting the ball or things of that nature. Accidents do happen. You know, we have a three-head injury rule in our house, and Matilda goes to the chiropractor, but (laughs) she's four. She's just going to hit her head. But in the meantime, when you also brought up diet, it's also things like making sure the diet is helping reduce inflammation, not adding another inflammatory load. And we would get that, you know, we have had other episodes talking about the sad American diet, which is really just an inflammatory load without any of the good tools to help reduce it. Mm
0: -hmm. And dietary is a huge piece of this. And Mm -hmm. there's, I'm sure you've had a number of people on your podcast already that have talked about this. So we won't go into that too much, uh, Mm -hmm. just because we would like to give new information here. Yeah,
1: we'll list uh, some of those episodes in the show notes that talk specifically about that dietary load. Perfect, Mm -hmm.
0: because I mean, at the end of the day, if you're doing all the right things, but then you're eating like Wendy's and McDonald's afterwards, or you're eating, you're not get, you're not fueling your body to perform as you're trying to get it to perform, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have issues. Now that being said, and this is where I'd like to go a little bit with this is diet alone isn't going to repair an issue once it happened. Um, You can't take a supplement that will fix a brain injury or a metabolic concussion because the supplement isn't going to create the neuroplasticity, which is the building of new connections and new neurons in the brain Mm -hmm. that will allow that compensation to be at its best.
1: And to put it another way, if you break your leg, Mm -hmm. For example, you need calcium, you need vitamin D, you need vitamin K, you need all of these things to have the building block to rebuild your leg, but it will forever be weak and eventually useless if you never put weight on it again and strengthen it.
0: Never use movement. (laughs) And the fun part about the brain is that movements in the brain look a little different than movements for the rest of the body, Mm -hmm. For for your shoulder. Like you got your range of motion and you can do certain things and provide stability at the joint at the joints surrounding it mm-hmm. and also through fascial slings and through, uh, a, a regional approach and a whole body approach, mm-hmm. the brain, you can do the same thing too, but the fun part about it is it doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's counterintuitive. Cause you don't think, uh, like I get questions all the time as a chiropractor by training before doing the post-doctorate, I get questions all the time. Well, how does, chiropractor work with the brain, like you just get up higher? <laughs> and I was like, no, well, you, you, you rehabilitate it, you exercise it. And if an area of the brain is designed to do a certain task and the task is not being done accurately, we can train that particular task to become more accurate, to become more correct in its approach. And through better accuracy in function, you're able to get better accuracy in reception of, or in perception of the world around you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So a fun example I like to give patients, just to give people an idea of what it looks like to have a, uh, a metabolic brain injury, it would look this, which would look the same as a concussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Imagine if, so everybody knows that gravity is down. It's right below you. Wait, what?
1: Gravity down. It's down.
0: Okay. Right Noted. There. I'm going to write that down.
1: Yeah, please do. Do you have okay. a pen? I'll work on that. I'll I'll remember. All right, so gravity is down.
0: So gravity is down. <laughs> and um but imagine but you in, in order for your body to know that gravity is down, it has to receive information that says gravity is down. Mhm. What if for some reason through software changes in your brain that it starts to think that gravity is a little bit more to the left? Don't you think that's going to change how you move throughout the world? It's going to change the way your body moves. It's going to change the way that your body reacts to, to every single step you take. It's going to change the way that your body. Uh, uh, to give an b- even better example of this, Im- like when you when you're in a pool, you do a couple flips and you try to figure out where the bottom is. That's mm-hmm. harder than they think than yeah. you think it is. And so. That's just one system that your brain uses. There's a visual system. And it's not just about vision acuity and clarity and saying, okay, can you have a clear image on your retina? Mm -hmm. It's also, do your eyes move appropriately in reflex with these other systems to say, okay, when I'm moving forward or when I look to the left as I'm walking forward, that I'm not gonna fall to the right or fall to the left. That you're able to keep yourself Mm -hmm. and your wherewithal in space. and you're able to move throughout the world. You're able to look around the world you're able to receive information and Mm -hmm. then make a psychological or a motor response to all that information, which will then allow you to appropriately navigate or cope with the world.
1: And it would be something like, when you talk about as your eye is moving and it works with these other systems, is that if I look to the left, we have other systems in our body that say, my body is still facing forward. But if that system in your body doesn't tell you that you're still facing forward, when you look to the left, you may all of a sudden have the perception that your whole body moved to the left. And so there might be a panic reaction to, no, I didn't mean to move to the left, I just meant to look, mm-hmm. creating symptoms like anxiety, confusion, why imbalance. We, why don't we
0: make it really broad? Why don't we just say that it reduces your ability to cope with the world around you? Yeah. Because we can break it down into individual clinical symptoms, mm-hmm. like, I, like anxiety or balance or Uh, confusion or headaches, or we can go on and on about individual symptoms, Mm -hmm. but your ability to cope in the world is how you enjoy the world around you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, what I think is interesting to bring up is the conversations I have in my office is then not realizing that those symptoms, the the headaches and, and even agoraphobia or the sensation to loud noises, all of these things are our signs that say how we're coping with the world.
0: Have you ever had a stressful day? And then the, the next day or a couple hours later, maybe even after you ate something, mm-hmm. you're like, why did I respond like that? It wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Or what did I do there? It could just be that you're not, ha- you're not as accurate in perceiving the world around you. Mm-hmm. And here's the hard truth is we as people like to think that the real world is what we perceive it as. And sometimes we have to give ourselves a little slack and be like, you know what? I didn't keep my blood sugar stable. I didn't have enough protein today. I didn't fuel myself appropriately. Maybe I have a metabolic system that's crashing a little bit. So how is your brain going to appropriately perceive the world Mm -hmm. if you're not taking care of it? The next thing would be any other conditions. Like on top of that, like if your thyroid isn't going well, if your H, if you're a hypothalamic pituitary, which you know where your hormones come from, Mm -hmm. if your adrenal or thyroid axis from there aren't doing well. What about if we go up a step higher? So we always like to focus on the hormones, but the hormones are just an output of the brain, Mm -hmm. the hypothalamic part, which is in large part controlled through something called a circuit of Papez. So Mm -hmm. you can always go to the next level up where we start to say, well, we have an issue with hormones, so we need to replace hormones. But in reality, we need to be able to measure higher up and say, well, How do we know that it's the issue with the hormones or the thing making the hormones? What if it's the thing that causes the thing that makes the hormones to function?
1: Mm -hmm. And that's getting to that root, getting to that root. And what I like that you brought up in your example about, you know, you didn't keep your blood sugar regular, and so you're going to snap or have that, that bad reaction to the world, is it really puts this on a spectrum, and it puts mm-hmm. health on a spectrum in that way. And when you talk about metabolic concussion and even, um, you know, neurological stresses, it's not, you know, you, you've taken a hit to your head, and now you have a concussion, and now you're in that category of people. It's that we all have to manage the metabolic stress in our body, no matter our level of health we could take the pinnacle of the most healthy person that exists and i don't even know if that person truly like what that person would look like existing
0: those are uh, instagram influencers oh
1: okay so you take an instagram influencer and they they still have to regulate their blood sugar else they will be hangry and hangry is an example of a metabolic stressor where you're perceiving the world inappropriately based on your own ability to regulate. Mm -hmm. And then you can take that gradient all the way over to some of the highest loads of metabolic stress and pressure and intracranial deep in the brain damage that one could get from chronic disease, severe head injury, things like fighting off a viral infection that really taxes your body like COVID. Mm And have so many more variables that you need to deal with as you regulate and as you try to compensate well in your new world of perception. And that can come off really horribly without some help.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and let's take it a step further now, cause mm-hmm. you know, I like doing that. So think about if you have a car, So we mm-hmm. just talk about fuel, oxygen, mm-hmm. and all the different parts of the metabolic system to make sure that everything is fueled. And why is this important before we move a little bit forward? Because every single connection between neurons and the brain has an immune cell around that connection to help modulate it, mm-hmm. to help make it a little bit higher, a little bit lower. So your immune system, having a, not a reduced immune system,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: having an immune system that's stable mm-hmm. and working well is crucial for normal uh, neuron firing and, and uh, appropriate neuron firing. So that way downstream doesn't... All of a sudden, get a ton of information that it can't handle.
1: And I think a really good point is the appropriate function of the immune system. And what's getting a lot more attention this year because of COVID is that we can have immune systems that fire too high and too aggressively. And that's just as bad as immune system that's off to lunch and, le- and is letting you fend for itself. Yeah.
0: There's <laughs> a paper that came out on it involves a, the Im- neuroimmunology of mm-hmm. COVID. And excuse me. so it's the neuroimmunology of COVID. And it's by uh, Yannick, Sam Yannick, N-A-Y-A-N-U-C-K. You can find it online. Mm -hmm. I believe it's open access and free. Uh, It has laid out, it's like 26 pages, Mm -hmm. but when you go through it, it's laid out. It says, these are certain nutritional supplements that you can use. It doesn't fix COVID. Mm -mm. It doesn't prevent COVID. But you can look at the individual pathways and say, okay, this is a pathway that's involved. This is a supplement that can be used to modulate it, to control it, to prevent it from going way too high or way too low Mm -hmm. and prevent having deleterious effects of it, to prevent negative effects uh, of your body trying to react to it. Mm -hmm. And that's important to do. It's important to, to be, uh, to keep that together. And I, I took to be that
1: well resourced, right. And mm-hmm. I,
0: I took that and I just put it together into like a simple supplement protocol to be like, okay, well, if you, if you, cause he he even lines it up into before you, before you get it, when you think you might have it and when you actually have it, mm-hmm. and I just create three different protocols for that. Cause it, I mean, anybody can do it. You just go online and find the paper and it's right there for you. Um, where was I going to go after that?
1: You're talking about fuel and how yes. we have to take care of those neurons such that the immune system isn't under or overreacting in their favor. Right.
0: Now here's the thing, mm-hmm. Over re- under and overreaction of something has to, also has to do with the size of the neurons that are reacting. A large neuron is gonna be stronger, more resilient, and ab- able to handle more input, mm-hmm. and able to provide a more efficient output. One signal can create a whole lot of output. More efficient, as opposed to uh, a smaller, unhealthy neuron that mm-hmm. is um, kind of struggling, limping along with you all of a sudden, give it a rush of information, it's probably going to die out because it's not able to handle that. Mm-hmm. So, the important thing to think about is from a neuroplastic perspective, it's not just about consistently providing fuel. I've had some patients come to me in the past who were only using a neuro, only using a, a functional medicine approach, and it, let's just call it a functional nutrition approach.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: No exam was performed, it was just, where you have symptoms, so we're giving you nutrition. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was when they would take the supplements, it would allow their brain to use all that fuel, they would feel good for a little bit, and then they would tank. Mm-hmm. And that tank would be a little bit, like at the level that they started, or a little bit lower, because now you, okay, so this is the example I'd like to use. Imagine if your alignment was way off in your car and you fueled up the gas tank and then gunned it.
1: You'd go fast but crooked.
0: You'd go fast but crooked and potentially break the car. And mm-hmm. so there has to be an appro- a, a comprehensive approach where you're not only able to measure these metabolic things. And lab work is the best way to do this, just to keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. And... You also need to have the appropriate structural support for it, so that way you're able. You're, so that way you have larger neurons able to handle the input. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I actually go slower and lower with some of the supplementation to provide just enough activity to open a window, so we can rehab more. To then create a bigger window, so we can rehab more, <laughs> so that we can provide more supplementation. And you see how like assist it's more of a systematic approach to rehabilitation and uh, working with metabolic Mm -hmm. effects of brain injury.
1: And this is one where I think this is exactly how all of my recovery went. And I have a lot of patients, you know, as they start to hear pieces of my story, because there were some really remarkable recoveries that I've had. I mean, um, you know, balance disorders that kept me from walking straight or even being able to hold myself upright without injury to now, you know, I'm functioning human in that way and even my hearing is improving where I was functionally deaf as a child. All of these things didn't have a silver bullet, didn't have that one thing that worked for me It had to be a little bit of supplementation and immune support because my immune system was so tanked, my body didn't have a fighting chance. Then I was lucky enough to find functional neurology and, and, um, love here. does a lot of my rehab now currently where I need to strengthen my systems and get stronger so that I can practice more. Now I'm back on a metabolic side of things. And this comes a little bit from having some long hauler symptoms myself of yet another huge viral injury, because why do one when you can do two? And there is more healing and support there. You're
0: such such an overachiever.
1: You know, I just want to accumulate experiences. What can you do? We're all here. We're all here for the human experience. But It's been this layering of this back and forth and back and forth. And we've done the the functional neurology rehab where I have hit a plateau on that rehab because my brain and my whole body system needed to get stronger. And that's where the the supplements and nutrition comes in. Mm -hmm. And once that is stronger, I know I'll be back to strengthen that neurological aspect again. It has to come in this concert of integrative medicine and really understanding the systems.
0: Especially when we're talking about the way the body changes over time. Mm-hmm. So for your example, having this as a kid and mm-hmm. then your body has created compensation on top of compensation, on top of compensation. Cause it was
1: about 20, nearly 30 years before I got real intervention.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And for, and let's say it wasn't even 20, 30 years. Let's just say it was like, uh, three to nine months. hmm Every day that is going on, your brain has an opportunity to create a good compensation or a bad compensation. Either way, it's going to make a compensation. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to structure these programs. So normally I'll see a person, sometimes I'll see a person, and I'll say, okay, we're going to do therapies now. Mm -hmm. I want you to come back in three months. We're going to do more because we need your body to start creating its own compensations. And then we're going to rehabilitate those compensations to make them more accurate. So that way we have this, this if we want to think of all these pathways as like a, as a road, we want to take it from a single lane road to a four lane road to a highway, because the bigger, the stronger the roadway, the more likely to be able to handle uh, the input that mm-hmm. the world gives you, especially at a time in COVID, like 2020 is super yeah. stressful.
1: Yeah. but if you try and put LA traffic on a country road the whole system is going to break down. It has to be that slow, slow build. Mm-hmm. So I think it, the, the, all of the complications and nuances of what is a metabolic concussion and how it happens or how, or how we care for it, how does something like an inflammatory, a huge inflammatory load like COVID or bacterial meningitis or lupus or any of these kind of things, how does it accumulate to that? Like r- really nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. you know, how do we get there?
0: So when you have these chronic inflammatory... Well, let's talk about concussion to, far, mm-hmm. to start because it's a little simpler. Mm-hmm. When you get... So remember how I said every two neurons that when they connect, they have a, uh, an immune cell around it. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is these immune cells become ramified. And if you are, have been dealing with your symptoms for a while, the, the low-hanging fruit that's always available as like the quick and easy nuggets for education are always going to be talking about pro-inflammatory cytokines. That's the first step to think about things that create inflammation. So you have inflammation cells creating little signal molecules Mm -hmm. that then create more inflammation. The more inflammation you have will then cause symptoms. Now, here's the thing. When we're talking about inflammation causing symptoms, and I'm sure uh, listeners of this podcast have been to practitioners who talk about inflammation as the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is not the root of all evil. You need those pro-inflammatory molecules, interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-6. You need those molecules to create necessary and beneficial functions. Memory. Mm -hmm. Memory in in your brain is created subsequently to inflammation.
1: And even things like, in a healing process, fevers. Mm -hmm. are not something that you want to get rid of because it's what's going to make your body stronger and kill the thing that you don't want. So we have this productive memory building and then this destructive life-saving. All inflammation, all good.
0: There's no good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's the sweet spot in the middle you want to keep it at. If your fever's getting too high, yeah, you want to do something about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But you don't want to squash it all the way and then go about your day as if normal. There's a reason you should take care of the issue, and then go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so the connection that I'd like all the listeners to really understand is that is the connection between what people say is the root cause and how it actually then makes a symptom. Mm-hmm. Because symptoms are the way is it, they're only felt by your brain.
1: Tell us a little more about how that
0: so pain, uh, other symptoms like nausea, vomiting, uh, or nausea, uh, let's just go with pain to keep it simple and yeah, easy. We don't need to expand Pain out. is felt in the brain before it reaches your brain and becomes a conscious experience. It's, it's called nociception. Mm-hmm. It is just a chemical soup, a chemical messenger that sends information up. And you have levels in your brain that either tamper it down or raise it up, depending on what your brain thinks is most
1: appropriate. Something went wrong on the outside level of my body or in my digestion. I'm sending a signal to my brain to say, how wrong is this? Mm-hmm. And the brain's going to let me know with a certain level of pain.
0: And the brain is then going to create the conscious experience. Mm-hmm. Symptoms happen in the brain.
1: It's all That's, in your head, guys.
0: It's all in your head. <laughs> but... Well, it's in your brain, not it's in your insane. head.
1: Yeah.
0: And so the, the thing that I want everybody to understand is that somebody next to you can have the same exact thing going on and not have any issues with it because their brain is healthier and able to handle the signals. Mm-hmm. So how do you get your brain to be healthier and handle the signals? By having larger, stronger neurons that work in circuits. Now, I don't want people thinking that means that we have to change neurochemistry because changing neurotransmitters doesn't equate to creating these changes. You need the neurons to, like so for example, supplementing neurotransmitters, like everybody keeps talking about serotonin as the happy molecule.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's, it's overused and ends up causing its own problems in the long run because you're, now you're changing hormonal things with exogenous well, neurotransmitters. You're taking neurotransmitters instead of creating them yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what you're doing is essentially in this one, you know, train, you're adding more fuel to the broken car. Right. So if you put more ser- more fuel, more gas, more serotonin in a broken system, it will fire the f- broken system faster.
0: And you think about neurotransmitters that are stimulatory and inhibitory and uh, serotonin is, is stimulatory, mm-hmm. dopamine is stimulatory, epinephrine, norepinephrine, they are all stimulatory. If the neuron can't handle the input and you say, well, I need to feel a certain way, and you give it, you will have an artificial boost because now you've put it in there, Mm -hmm. you'll stimulate the neuron, then you're going to tank later because now this neuron has petered out because it got way too much, more than it can handle. Mm -hmm. And you now are saying, well, clearly I need more of that neurotransmitter.
1: So instead, going back to what gets us that stronger brain, that stronger unbroken and better aligned car.
0: And the thing is, it's all, it's always different for everybody, mm-hmm. but that's why my approach is using supplements to support growth of brain, not to support brain,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so you see the difference there. So what do we want to do? We want to take the neurons that are weaker and we want them to get better. What do like neurons, n- when neurons, uh, get injured they they make noise. And depending on where in the brain they're getting injured or they're not as big as they need to be before they receive too much information, where they're getting overworked,
3: mm-hmm.
0: that can make you feel anxiety. And not I'm not saying you're just going to feel anxious. It's because of a, this mm-hmm. area of the brain that is perceived by the human as anxiety is now overfiring.
1: So coming back to the idea of how does... A large illness, a heavy burden of an illness. When we started talking about inflammation, and we, you know, we, we kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of we, how we perceive we pain. We, we're good at rabbit holes. How we perceive pain and perceive symptoms of any kind. So again, mm-hmm. you know, these symptoms are the nausea, the vomiting, but also anxiety, depression. Thank
0: you, because that reminds me, I forgot <laughs> to tie that together.
1: Yes. So <laughs> put a bow on it.
0: Thank you. Uh, so I totally needed caffeine. So <laughs> the idea is. We've already established that Mm -hmm. neurons firing is where we should be focusing. Mm -hmm. We've already established that you need to fuel them appropriately, but you don't need to overfuel them. You need to fuel them appropriately for where they are. Mm -hmm. But when the neuron fires in a circuit and they overfire, that can create neurons to go anaerobic, which means it pushed beyond what they can handle. And when when a little cluster of neurons in an area can't handle it, that's when you get a symptom. Now, what does inflammation have to do with this? Why does more inflammation cause these issues? So more inflammation by itself does not just cause symptoms magically. It causes symptoms through the perception of the, of your brain through the way that it now fires. So inflammation. So everybody, um, if you have any of a scientific background, uh, this will be a little bit easier, but When a neuron fires, it's at a resting level Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and it gets information. That information increases its energy. And once it reaches a certain point, then you have a then the neuron fires in something called an action potential. So when this neuron fires, that's when you send communication down the line to the Mm -hmm. next neuron. It also, has a refractory period where the neuron needs to rest to allow new nutrients to come in to get rid of the metabolic waste and prepare itself to fire again. It needs to reload. Mm-hmm. If, you try to, if you try to fire it before you have the nutrients or while it still has the waste in there, you can break the neuron. The other thing that happens is inflammation reduces the energy needed to fire the neuron so while that sounds great cool we don't need to use as much energy to fire neuron. no that's not that good (laughs) because now that neuron can fire faster without being able to recycle the nutrients needed and get rid of the trash
1: it gives the neuron trigger finger
0: that it's just going
1: to go before it's ready before it's aimed before it knows what it's pointing at exactly Mm -hmm.
0: What happens when a neuron fires too far? I've already rambled about this a little bit. It gets damaged Mm -hmm. and a damaged neuron may not come back. That doesn't mean it needs to come back because you can always have neurons around it growing in and just little, little, little key Mm -hmm. point is when you're a child, when you're born, you have the most amount of neurons. And as you, as you get older. You lose neurons, but you build connections, mm-hmm. and you have the most amount of connections uh, in your 60s compared to a 20-year-old. Even though you have less neurons, you're able to do more function.
1: It's what—it's how you're using them. It's how they're together.
0: Right. There are certain areas <laughs> of the brain that can that do have uh, new neurons being formed. The hippocampus is one of them, which is like the Think of it as the filing cabinet for all your memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then all the different areas of the brain sort of reach into the filing cabinet and say, "Like, hey, I want to think about how vivid a memory was that from your parietal lobe and reach there, or you want (laughs) to." But that's that's a whole nother podcast. That's a fun one.
1: (laughs) So, but what it comes down to is just to kind of sum up all the pieces is that you know the nerve the neuron needs to fire and rest. And when we have too much inflammation in our body, a chronic disease, a huge viral load that might take us months to fight off, as in the case that we're experiencing this year, it's going to lower the threshold and give that neuron trigger finger, and it will basically fire itself to death. Exactly. And depending upon where it is in your body that it has fired yourself to death, you can get any constellation of symptoms.
0: Depending on where the overfiring is. is.
1: which is where, when we look at long hauler syndrome this year with COVID, that it is such an amazing assortment. I mean, you talk to one person who's dealing with long haulers, and it's going to be radically different than another person, depending upon where those nerves, you know, threw a house party and died. So <laughs> it it's is... an excellent example. Thank you. Especially in the, you know, social distancing world. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you. So... So this is where it comes so much to it and why it has to be such a unique, specific approach for healing and recovery, looking at lifestyle, rest, nutrients, and that neurological strengthening, depending on where it is.
0: I'd like to really make it clear that Mm -hmm. just because you can go after this inflammatory issue over and over Mm -hmm. and over. But unless you strengthen the neuron, you're going to be sitting at that level the whole time trying to reduce inflammation instead of thinking, well, what if I can just train my body to cope better with it? Mm -hmm. What if I do both at the same time? If you can reduce the inflammation just enough to allow the neurons to fire and grow beyond the, to a big enough, uh, to a big enough, uh, size Mm -hmm. that now, it can handle the inflammation in case something happens down the line. Mm -hmm. Like you don't wanna be living on supplements the rest of your life. No, You wanna be taking what you need and not everything.
1: And when we think about I think sort of the bigger lesson of this year and what is health and what puts us at a threshold, you know, a lot of the more serious cases, at least in the beginning, and there's some change now, but they come from individuals who have all the comorbidities. You know, um, it's somewhere in the vein of 98% of deaths had 2.5 comorbidities, additional issues. Um, on top of having to deal with COVID. And those issues are all highly inflammatory issues, like diabetes and cardiovascular disease, extreme obesity, because having excess amount of fat does create that sort of inflammatory. We have already given our neurons trigger finger and then got sick on top of that. So we have this widespread issue. And when we, when uh, Lovish was talking at the beginning about how – This is um, a gray line, a gradient of health that we have to handle our metabolic health, whether it is eating a well-balanced meal so we don't get hangry or coming all the way to this extreme end of injury and recovery that we've been discussing through most of the podcast. All of it comes to how are we handling our health through lifestyle and the strength of our system itself.
0: And if I can make a quick plug here, I Mm could I just, recently I created a program for this problem itself, because Excellent. that's what I've noticed, that we keep getting people who down, we're getting them down the road, mm-hmm. when things are tough, things are difficult, when I'm like, I don't know, because when you look at labs, you can't take a look and say like, well, this was this due to a certain injury? Mm-hmm. Or when you when you do a assessment on a concussion, there's no way for us to know what we're assessing now, if it's due to the, to the concussion that you just had, or to maybe one that you had two years ago that you didn't know about, unless you had exam before and after right afterwards. We need data in order, we need ongoing data to mm-hmm. be able to really map out what you as a patient uh, have going on. We So I created a new program that I call just a proactive program. And unless anybody has like a skincare like uh, issue, I, I think we can still use that name. <laughs> uh, but I think it's the best word for it, proactive, mm-hmm. because what we want to do, and this is something that I was doing on my own and just cause it just made sense. And I was like, wait, I can offer this to other people and it's not that, and it, it'd be helpful. So what I do is every either four or six months, typically I do six months for myself, I run labs, I run a full lab panel.
1: Which is beyond just doing blood count. I mean, the, yeah, the blood count of what your red blood cells look like is, is good information. Mm-hmm. But for the listener out there, there are so many more things that we need to take into account, particularly when we're talking about our immune health and inflammatory load.
0: Yeah. So I run, uh, so is it CBC, so complete blood count, uh, compl- a comprehensive metabolic panel. Mm-hmm. A glucose panel, a full lipid panel, a full iron panel, including a couple extra stuff just because you need to have more information about iron because it's really important. A full thyroid panel, including your thyroid antibodies. If you are listening to this and you suffer from anxiety or depression, look at, just start Googling TPO, (laughs) TPO antibodies and depression, TPO and anxiety. And you will find paper on top of paper on top of paper saying that there's a legitimate correlation between the two. And I mean, there could be a, I wouldn't call it a quick and easy fix, but there could be a direct fix that you could be working on that would uh, critically improve your, um, the quality of life.
1: Again, strengthening the system at the area of injury, not managing the the symptom at the level of bothersome. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: what else is in there? We got a few more things in there. That's pretty. But, I can't figure right. it out. Right but the idea is, we want data over time. I want mm-hmm. to know what's normal for the patient, not what's normal for the for the average human.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing we have to think about is pathological versus pathophysiological. What does that mean? We're going to call it pathophysiological functional. Uh, pathological means there's a problem. If when you, so when you draw your labs, every single lab value is normalized to something called a normal distribution, if you're familiar with statistics. It means that if you, and it's normalized to two standard deviations away from the, from the average American according to your region. So, if for you to come up as high or low on your labs, you need to be the 2.5% above everybody else, or the two and a half percent below everybody else. Mm-hmm. They're saying that 95% of the population is normal, which I mean, I could think of like 10 people I know, and I can tell you right now that nine of those people aren't normal.
1: Well, and the other aspect of it is that we, and we've talked about this a little bit more on other podcasts too, is that it's the average of your population. And when we take a population like the American population, and depending on what region you are in, this number will slide and not in the favor we're hoping for is, I think it was uh, Dr. Hyman that suggests that 97% of Americans are not metabolically healthy. Mm -hmm. So you are now the average of a population that is not healthy. Yes. And your labs tell you you're okay.
0: <laughs> so you can functionally look at these labs within mm-hmm. one standard deviation. And that's what I do with the program as well. I, we look at it. We, we, don't mm-hmm. get it too, we don't get too complicated. We're not looking to fix problems at this level. We're looking to just keep track of things and make some small recommendations to try and get you lifestyle-wise and maybe some nutrition or supplement-wise or dietary-wise nudge it in the right direction mm-hmm. so you can catch things before they're an issue. So you can catch things for yourself or your family before they're an issue. There you go. And so uh, when we're looking at uh, this one standard deviation away, now we've reduced it from 95 percent to 68 percent, which I think is a much better window to look at, and we can start making, taking some steps forward.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the most important part to me, at least, is to see this over time, because now we're saying, OK, my numbers are this. I'm normal, but am I normal for me? So what if I had, after two years, what if I had, if I, did the, uh, every, if I did three times a year, what if I had six data points to now look at and I can watch these changes over time? Mm-hmm. Or what if I had data points to look at I noticed that there was a big, significant life event that happened and now I notice that these things have changed? Mm-hmm. It helps guide you in the right direction because more data creates more patterns and more patterns will typically be more accurate and allow you to be create a more individualized approach for yourself.
1: And that's a lot of what I even experienced this year is I've been you know, having blood work done probably about once a year since my, my mid-20s. And there was a very distinct change this summer that pointed me towards a lot of the interventions that I needed to do because I knew that this was not normal for me. There are a lot of things that are normal for me that wouldn't be for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So with all of that in mind, I mean, this was a pretty heady, pretty detailed conversation about all of the, the neurologies. And there's really no way to get into what is this aspect of health, what is this metabolic area of health without getting nitty gritty because it's not – one that we commonly talk about, you know, we commonly talk about symptom management and it's really easy to have the conversation that says you have a symptom, here's something that will make the symptom not bother you. Here's something that will in essence suppress the symptom. And then there's these other things called side effects and don't worry about those. But those, those side effects are, as uh, Dr. Lovich was explaining throughout the podcast, that's the breakdown of the symptom getting too much gas, of, of the system getting too much gas in a broken area.
0: Or the side mm-hmm. effect could be your brain's best attempt at making mm-hmm. things better, mm-hmm. but it needs a little help.
1: Exactly. But it, And all of these pieces... And that's kind of an oversimplified version, but all of these pieces don't look at where is the broken mechanism, what is your compensatory pattern, and how can we actively work to strengthen it so that a whole myriad of scary and frightening and uncontrollable symptoms can actually come back to a rather unified source. To me, um, that gives me hope. It gave me hope in my personal life, and it gives me hope when I have patients come in with really complicated um, health histories and things that they're battling now, knowing that there's not a cure that we're waiting for as much as there is an ability to strengthen oneself. I
0: would say fixes are for influencers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really exist in this world. You can't fix something. You can constantly work towards it, mm-hmm. and you can get to a point where it's now less of an issue or a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Bring in, I know you talk about your particular mm-hmm. uh, situation often. What we found the best results with that was in, okay, you have diagnosis X, so we're just going to keep applying treatment until something works.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We went little by little. We worked on so many different parts of the body and so many different parts of the brain that sometimes they would work, sometimes they wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And we realized that sometimes we had to build up a different area that was seemingly non, like not even associated with it before we were able to work on the areas that that we knew were the problem mm-hmm. we had to yeah, there's like this huge system of moving parts that sometimes you have to get past level one before you can get to level two or three and uh, it's been and that's why it, it there you can't have sometimes these quick fixes should not be the goal mm-hmm. but at but the in-depth evaluation the in-depth uh the, the critical and clinical thinking associated with it is the goal. So we can cont- together figure out what the issue is, what are we going to do about it, what are we going to try first, what do we try next? Yep. Um,
1: takes a lot of patience and persistence, yeah. takes a lot of trust, and a lot of creativity too.
0: And most of the patients that have come to me, they've seen some of the top doctors in the country, especially when I was working in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. By the time they find me, some of these top doctors, they would have found it and fixed it easily if it was an easy problem. Mm-hmm. It's okay to just think that you're unique and it's okay to think that uh, your problem is more complicated than other problems. But, it's, but it does mean that there's still hope. And it does mean that you can still create improvement because it just means that you need to have a little bit more of an individualized approach if the traditional approach is, which is made for large scales.
2: Mm-hmm
0: didn't work for you because you may be an outlier, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that there isn't stuff out there for
1: you. Exactly. Well, how can people find you, find your, your supplement recommendations, your proactive programming, mm-hmm. um, tell us where they can find so you online.
0: my website is delta s performance.com. Uh, quick reason about everybody keeps uh, saying, well, uh, why deltas or, <laughs> uh, why Delta? And I'm like, well. It's actually Delta S. Delta S is the second law of thermodynamics and physics. It means that all things in life go to a state of disorder. And if you're not working on it, if you're not putting energy into the system, uh, it will continue to go to a disorder and dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd like to use the example of a messy bedroom, uh, which I got from my freshman year chemistry class. And it was. That if you walk in and you just th- naturally things are just going to get thrown places. Naturally things are going to be put on a shelf someplace. Uh, it's going your bedroom's going to get messier and messier until you take the time and the energy either each time you walk in there or a couple months later all at once to clean up your room and put mm-hmm. everything in order. So our goal as a clinic isn't to fix you. Our goal as a clinic to help guide you in that maintenance of your, of order and function. So that way you're able to live, the, live the best life you can, or at least get back to the best life you can.
1: I love it. I didn't know that was where your name came from.
0: Yep. That's uh, fantastic. It's right on the website. Well, thanks for reading it. You're welcome. Uh, the other thing is, so if they <laughs> want to find me, so you can reach out on our, uh, contact us page, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, I would recommend using Denver at Delta through email. Or you can text me at 720-443-3023. We don't have a front desk staff in any of our clinics, Mm -hmm. uh, because we like to have that personalized approach where patients actually get to speak to doctors. And when they have a question or they have someone, they don't have somebody who's got minimal training saying, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. They got somebody saying, you know what? That's a little more of a complicated thing. We're going to have to make an appointment or we're going to have, or I can answer that right now. Perfect. Uh, so. Calling us is usually not the best approach because it means we're gonna have to call you back. You might as well shoot us an email Mm -hmm. or a text message saying, this is my name. This is my phone number. This is what I'm dealing with. And then we can get back to you and figure out, uh, if we're the right ones for care for you.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing all this amazing information and incredible detail with great imagery. Um, I hope everyone listening kind of starts to understand that our health is is about staying out of that state of chaos, keeping our room clean, keeping everything where we know we can find it, and um, coming to a place of where we function in this world better. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.